This is Millennially Speaking, a podcast about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer. This week, we're talking all about the Mueller hearings. What are the highlights? What did we learn? And will the hearings have any effect on public opinion? But first, let's get into a little bit of background about these hearings. So it's actually pretty surprising that we even got to hear from Robert Mueller again, especially in such a public setting. Because if you recall, back, this was a few months ago, after the Mueller report was released, he had a press conference that basically outlined, here's what is in the report, here is my take on what I have written here. Basically as sort of an easy way for the public to understand where he's coming from. And in that press conference, he had said, I hope this to be really my only time that I will be speaking about this. That was This was his sort of formal resignation from the special counsel's office and the, the official closing of the special counsel office, but also sort of a, this is it, my testimony is the report here. So there had been some discussion. I think Democrats really wanted to have... Mueller speak because based on a lot of polling and pretty obvious assumptions, most of the public has not actually read the Mueller report in full or even in part. Um, and and I think it is a 448-page document, so I understand that. I have not even read it. I definitely skimmed through it when it first came out. I went through a couple of the pieces. I was looking for some key things, um, especially sort of the, the very easy-to-digest uh, things that Mueller wrote, the the little summaries that he said he wanted to have released for public consumption. But, of course, uh, Bill Barr released his own conclusions. Uh, but I, I was looking through those things. But even I, someone who really is interested in this topic, did not read the full report. So Democrats definitely wanted him to testify publicly to be able to almost make a very easy way for the public to digest what was in the report. Because... If Mueller says it out loud, you can then repeat that back to people and it sort of lends more credibility because it came, it's his report and it's coming from his own mouth. But that's not really what happened. So uh, something that I believe sort of part of the way through the morning, NBC News actually got uh, from some of their reporting they did, Mueller had no intentions of reading any of the report out loud during his testimony. And that was true. So throughout the testimony, he never once obliged any of the House representatives who were asking, can you read you know, a particular section? He would sort of defer and say, uh, I prefer if you read it or he, he would tr- you know, start reading it you know, to himself. And then they'd say, well, can you read it? And he would he would pass on it. So so basically the, the way the whole thing was structured is it was about a seven hour long testimony broken into two parts. The first part was the House Judiciary Committee, and the second half was the House Intelligence Committee. And there's a little bit of crossover in terms of people that are on both committees, so some started their questioning in the morning, and then they got a little bit more later, but the idea was that you had Republicans and Democrats both going back and forth. They each had five minutes to question. Some used their full time, others were cut off, and some even used only a part of their time and passed it along to others. They 
uh, yielded their time to someone else to, to sort of take over. So there were definitely some things that I sort of took away from this. Um, I want to focus on first some of the things that we learned about from Mueller. So we knew going into this that Mueller was not interested in revealing any new information that was not in the report. And that was pretty clear. I think, I don't want to speculate, but I wonder if a different uh, head of the special counsel was picked, if a different person was picked, would they have engaged in more hyperbole? Would they have engaged in more speculation and things like that? I, I just don't know. Based on everything that we've heard about Robert Mueller, he is a very by-the-book kind of person and a very stand-up person. So, I mean, keeping in mind, he's a Republican. He was appointed by a Republican. He is a Republican. So, when you look at sort of his his career, uh, his his previous career was a uh, FBI director. So when, when you look at that, it's kind of odd at how the whole hearing went in terms of Democrats sort of putting him up as or propping him up as a hero and Republicans tearing him down as almost treasonous. So Mueller, like I said, Mueller chose not to read any part of his own report. And his main thing that he was clearly trying to focus on was the election interference. Because in the end, that was the main point of the whole investigation. Yes, it was it was to find out if there was any conspiracy between Trump's campaign and Russia, but it was also about trying to understand the entire Russian interference. So that was that was actually in the title of the whole piece was about Russian interference. So to what extent did they interfere? Uh, who interfered? Was it obviously at the behest of the Russian government? Who was involved in Russia and and to what extent were they trying to influence the election and for what purpose? So he really was trying to steer the conversation in that direction. And one thing that he was trying to talk about was not just what was in his report, but also trying to reinforce the idea that just because they interfered once doesn't mean they're done and doesn't mean that Russia is the only adversary that may interfere in our elections. So, you know, 2018 and 2020s coming up in the future. You know, the 2020 election is just around the corner. Voting begins in less than a year. So you've got the potential for, you know, some more interference. Not that they have any specific, or at least he's not willing to say if there's any specific credible threats out there. He's not a um, Department of Justice employee anymore, so he doesn't have to really know any of that. But it's possible, and it's that's definitely one of his fears. He pointed out one of the main talking points that the right wing likes to talk about is no collusion. Collusion. They use this word collusion. Collusion, one of the quotes from Mueller is that the word collusion has no relevance to the criminal law arena. And that's true. So there was at one point where I forget who it was, but there was a Republican lawmaker who pointed out that early on in the text that the word collusion does appear. And that sort of goes back to the idea that based on the way that Mueller was speaking, I don't believe that he wrote the entire report. But I'm not blaming him for that, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You know that he had a huge staff. We're all aware that he had a big staff that was helping him write this. So I know he had he was sort of in charge of the whole thing, and he had a hand in every part of it, but I don't think he wrote every single word. So if that word made its way in there, 
basically the idea is that I think some Republican and, and conservative talking heads are using the word collusion as a way to muddy the water and as a way to distract because if they say there's no collusion, well, yeah, there wasn't collusion at all. There never was going to be collusion because that doesn't really have any relevance to this particular uh, discussion. Conspiracy is what they're looking for. But I will give it to them in the end. If you see the word collusion, you can just substitute it out for conspiracy and keep the spin and talking heads sort of in the background. Adam Schiff, one of the members of the House uh, Intelligence Committee, actually, he was the actually the head of the House Intelligence Committee. He actually asked a question in the second half uh, about did lies from the Trump campaign impede the investigation and Mueller agreed. And that was sort of in the report as well. But this is another one of those. If there were any moments where Mueller was actually able to help anybody out and give any kind of soundbite to anyone, this is one of them. That while he was able to conclude his investigation, lies certainly didn't help. And it put up some, I wouldn't say roadblocks, but potentially speed bumps that definitely slowed things down. Like I said earlier, he he had no interest in engaging in hyperbole or speculation. He oftentimes would... Uh, just point back to the report, or he would ask for a citation. If somebody was saying it was in the report, he would ask for a particular page and where it was located in the report. And he would also, if someone would ask a question, he would sort of, if he wasn't sure where they were referring to in the report, he would say, well, if it's in the report, then yes, I agree. So definitely wanting to make sure that he wasn't engaging in any new information. And at one point, he actually did to... Uh, one of the lawmakers, one of the Democrat lawmakers, the, the question was asked, if not for the OLC opinion, the basically the, the longstanding Justice Department guideline that you can't indict a sitting president. If not for that guideline, he would have indicted Trump. And he had said yes. After the lunch break and, and in between the two hearings, he came back and clarified and said, just so we're clear, that wasn't new information. That wasn't a new revelation. Based on what the report says... I was not going into this with the idea of indicting the president because I know I can't. So just to clarify any of that. But he did say, though, that Trump can be charged with a crime after leaving office, which that doesn't necessarily mean that he will be charged with a crime. It, I think that's pretty obvious that that's a possibility. It's a possibility for you, you can't indict a sitting president, but there says nothing about uh, a former president. So not really surprising, but another one of those moments where you just sort of went, it gave you pause. One of the big things that he answered that I think was sort of helpful to some was the question about why he did not subpoena Trump for a in-person interview. Because if you remember, Trump never sat down for an in-person interview. He only gave written responses to questions from Mueller. And a lot of people were sort of confused about that and why that was the case. So someone asked him about that and he said, essentially kind of what we all sort of understood was the case, which was time. Because he figured if he tried to subpoena Trump, he would get pushback and try to block it and it would start some lawsuits, which would slow down the investigation, which it could, if that was the case, it could still be going on to this day, which... The problem is, is the longer the investigation goes on, the less public support you get. 
And in the end, you may not even get a different outcome. So it really didn't matter to him to subpoena Trump. He just got the answers that he got. And he didn't think that the information that could be provided was worth all of that headache. I found two big important things from Mueller were, one, he refused to answer questions about the origin of the investigation. Now, that was clearly something that Republican lawmakers and conservative media were really looking for. That's sort of what they really wanted this whole hearing to be about was the origin of the investigation. You could tell a lot of the lawmakers, a lot of the Republican lawmakers were definitely pushing in that direction. They were definitely asking about the sort of all of the, if you play uh, conservative media bingo or or even a conservative media drinking game, <laughs> if you do a conservative media drinking game, you'd be on the floor in five minutes. But all, sort of all of the buzzwords that you, you hear in conservative media were definitely present in most of the questioning, talking about Hillary Clinton, uh, somehow even Hillary Clinton's email server got brought up again. Um, they were talking about Fusion GPS. Um, that was the the Russian company that was hired by the Clinton team to get dirt, but there's sort of conflict as to who they work for, and they're they're claiming hypocrisy. the the demo the Republicans are are claiming hypocrisy there. Um, Glenn Simpson, the the leader of Fusion GPS, the the founder of Fusion GPS, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the two FBI agents that were fired after they were found to have anti-Trump bias. There was sort of this, definitely there was some prying at the the origin, but the, the reason that Mueller did not answer questions regarding the origin is because this all happened before he was chosen as special counsel. All of the, the Steele dossier and the deciding to open up a special counsel was all done before he was there. So I think he could have investigated some of that, but it wasn't part of what he was exploring. And for Republicans, to be honest, Bill Barr is investigating all of this right now. Attorney General is investigating this all right now. And if they don't trust Robert Mueller, if they don't think he is trustworthy and honest, then why would they want him investigating the thing that they really want to get to the bottom of anyway? That's all I'm saying. I think if they think he's got an anti-Trump bias and his team had an anti-Trump bias, then why would they want him investigating the thing that they really want answers on? That's my take on it. Uh, and then the second thing that he, a couple of times, he, he never really pushed back a lot on some of the questioning, but there was one instance that he really pushed back, and that was against a Republican lawmaker asking about, I believe it was actually Devin Nunes was asking, he pushed back on some of the questioning about his hiring practices. And one of the things that was being asked of him was, did he know or when did he know about certain FBI agents with political leanings? They went to fundraisers, they donated to Democrats, they had this anti-Trump bias or anti-Republican bias or whatever, whatever the particular line of questioning was, or, or the whichever way they were going with it. And he pushed back on it, and one of the things that he had said was, he because he, he's been doing this kind of work for, he said, you know, 25 years, he said, never once did he ever, in an interview process, ask about an agent and their political leanings. And that's really interesting to, uh, for for a pushback, because that's true. 
And that's not something that he ever should do or anyone should do is ask about a political leaning. So I don't really know how or, or what Republicans are looking for in terms of what their political leanings are. I mean, they're they're people of Washington, right? So they're going to have political leanings. He said his main goal was to make sure that he found people that could do the job well and quickly and efficiently and 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 all of that I agree with. And and to be asking about political leaning while you may try to get sort of a if you really wanted to for transparency's sake get a half Republican, half Democrat, you know, sort of a split like that, but you're just going to end up with the same problem of no one trusts in the process because one side is Republican and one side is Democrat, and they're just going to find the facts that are convenient to their side. So, to be honest, no matter what, I think they were going to dislike whatever Mueller team he picked, what like whatever team it was, because he was investigating Trump. So I don't think the the pushback on in terms of who the team was or who on the team liked Trump and who didn't like Trump, I think that was completely irrelevant because they weren't going to like whoever he picked anyway. So the other thing I wanted to take a look at were some of the key moments from the Republican side, because to be honest, if there was going to be an explosive moment or if there was going to be anything interesting from yesterday, it was certainly not going to be from the Democrat side, because if you watched any part of it or if you have been following any part of the Mueller report fallout, the Democrats are propping him up as a hero and Republicans are trying to discredit him. So... I mean, you could even tell based on the line of questioning that Democrats would start out with, thank you for being here, and I think you're an American hero, and pointing out all the pointing out all the things about Robert Mueller that they really like because they think he's on their side. So some of those key moments, um, I would say Kelly Armstrong had made a point of if they took the Mueller report and switched out Trump with Hillary's name in all of the the parts of it there they were basically he was trying to say like would we be here right now or would we be doing the things that we're doing now and to me it felt a little bit kind of like a hypocritical statement to make because I 100% believe that had this all been flipped around and Hillary Clinton been the one that was you know being accused of Russian interference or, or interfering or conspiring with Russians I absolutely believe that they would still be doing this because listen to anyone talk about anyone on the Republican side, talk about Hillary Clinton and things that she has done. And if I had done one tenth of what Hillary Clinton did, I would be in jail. You don't know that because no one prosecutorial decisions and decisions about indictments are made by prosecutors. And if you are not a prosecutor, if you are not the prosecutor that is in charge of that decision, your opinion is irrelevant. Uh, and and taking the case Benghazi, the Benghazi hearings went on forever. So and that directly related to Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. So absolutely, they would be in the exact same place doing the exact same hearings. It would just be flipped around with who was more outraged, Democrats or Republicans. Ken Buck made a point saying, uh, "This is sort of one of those again, one of the Republican talking points of Mueller threw everything at the wall just to see what would stick." And this was another one of those times where Mueller sort of pushed back and he said uh, he did not agree with that particular characterization. 
Tom McClintock, who accused Mueller of, instead of trying to make a legal argument, he was trying to then make a political argument when he couldn't get them on the legal argument. And again, Mueller pushed back and said he doesn't believe that he is reading as thoroughly through this report as he should, or basically he's not reading it correctly, or he's not seeing what's in it, or or they're not seeing the same things. You had, I I believe, a meme-worthy moment of Louis Gohmert was going on about how investigating the obstruction of justice part. So, So if Trump is not guilty of anything, there can't be obstruction of justice. I actually tend to agree with that argument. But he's saying that if Trump knew that he was innocent, him taking all of those actions were not obstructing justice. It was trying to push back on being investigated and, you know, because he knew he was innocent and that therefore Mueller was actually the one obstructing justice. And he got into this whole big, looked like he was going to pop, sounded like he was going to pop like a zit. And then lastly, the one that I thought was also interesting was when Representative John Ratcliffe was talking about the presumption of innocence in law and how basically that does not exist at all, which technically, yes, that in a court of law, no one is declared innocent. They are declared not guilty because you can never fully determine someone's innocence, but you can determine that there's not enough evidence to prove guilt. And while I agree with that characterization and while I agree that in most codes and the code of law that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And if someone is not indicted, if someone is not charged, you don't reveal damaging information about that person. The problem is with the president, they are held to a very different standard and not just that they, you know, need to be held accountable for, for certain things differently, but because of that department of justice guideline that says you can't indict a sitting president, they are held to a different standard than literally every other human being in the United States. Because if they commit crimes, they cannot be indicted on those crimes. The only process that we have in this country to hold a president accountable is the impeachment process. And the way that you have to have this impeachment process is for members of Congress to know all of the information that a jury would know. Now, if you want to fight that argument, you could say that, well, maybe only Congress needs to know that information, not the public. That's a fair argument. But imagine if we just got this information, if the Mueller report was only released to Congress. First of all, you can guarantee that that information would have been released minutes later, leaked by a Democratic lawmaker or a Republican lawmaker, either one. They both could have, depending on you know, who saw which side better for uh, their cause. But Congress needs to know that information because they are the ones that actually can hold the president accountable, not a jury. He doesn't, quote unquote, get his day in court if he is a sitting president. That's They're ignoring the entire point of that guideline, is that if you need to hold a president accountable, it is through the impeachment process or or. It is through the discovery process that leads up to a potential impeachment inquiry. So my feeling on that is that you absolutely need that information. 
I, I believe, based on that guideline, there is a presumption of innocence for everyone, pretty much except the president. I think the president is held to a different standard, and that's only because that guideline exists that literally no one else gets. Because you kind of have to err on the side of, you know, we need discovery, we need to, to learn all this information, because he can't be indicted. There's a separate process that literally no one else in the country gets, and that's impeachment and re possible removal from office. Then you can be indicted in a court of law, and then you can have your day in court, quote-unquote. But you can't just expect him to get the same treatment if we already know that he can't be indicted, because that is something that we just have decided is not possible. So now the question is, did the hearings change any minds, and will this have any impact moving forward on a potential impeachment inquiry? Short answer, not at all. Kind of just like the presidential debates, there, I believe, is no lasting effect for these hearings. And there could have been. I truly think that these hearings, had they gone a different way, they could have had more of an influence because, like I said, millions of people, specifically conservatives, may not know the full extent of what's in the report because if you just watch conservative media, and I'm not going to, I'm not here to knock conservative media right now, if you just watch that, you may only know the line of no collusion, no obstruction, which does not paint a full picture. That is not what the report said. It's not. So, and I, I had said this a couple times to some other people in person this week, but if you sat and watched these hearings, if you listened to what Mueller said, if you listened to all the questions from lawmakers, if you really sat down and listened and understood what was said and the answers that were given and you still are in the camp of no collusion, no obstruction. Fine. I absolutely will put you in that camp because to be honest, the the report proved that there was no conspiracy or no um particular conspiracy that was decided. They couldn't find enough proof of a conspiracy. And in my opinion, if you don't have that, you can't have obstruction. So if you're, if you're in that camp after listening to all that, perfectly fine. It's the millions of people that I believe still don't know the full extent of what's in the report and have a strong opinion just based on that. And that's on both sides. That is both liberal-leaning and conservative-leaning. If you do not know the facts and you still have a strong opinion that is strictly on partisan lines, I don't really know what to say. Like, I, I can't... Your opinion to me is much less and, and does not have as much weight when you do not know all of the facts. And that, again, goes for both sides. Fully goes for both sides. Clearly, we learned that Mueller is just done with this, and I don't think that we're going to be hearing from him again. I, You never know, but I think this was his last time to speak on this, and I don't think that Democrats really got what they were looking for because he refused to read the report. So they were looking for more sound bites. They were looking for more definitive things that they could loop on television because that's the thing. When all these people didn't read it, you need easy to digest parts that if Mueller said them out loud, you'll have that. But I don't think that the Democrats got what they wanted in that regard. And the Republican questioning, I don't think that changed any minds either because 
if you're in the camp that Mueller is corrupt and Mueller's team is corrupt, then nothing that the Democrats said or the, the questions that were asked and answered will not sway you back that direction. And I think the same goes for the other side. I don't think anyone that actually sat down and watched this changed their mind. And it's definitely not the outcome that Democrats or Republicans, I think, were hoping for, because Republicans definitely wanted more origin answers, and they just, they were never going to get that. So, honestly, I, I've, and I've said this before, I'm so done with Russia, I'm so done with Robert Mueller, I'm so done with the Mueller report, and the, the discussions about it, we have been through enough We've asked and answered so many questions and done so many inquiries and so many different things that, it, to me, it is just, it's enough. And I think Democrats need to move on, and they they know that this was sort of their last sort of Russia-related chance for impeachment. So, move on to 2020 and focus on your candidate there, because that is the only way I think that you're going to get Trump out of office is... 2020 election. Other than that, if you if you keep pushing the Russia thing, I think Trump absolutely can um, count 2020 as a win because polling has even shown that the public is is done with it and they do not see it as a major concern anymore. And that's all for this special edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. We're also on Instagram at millennially underscore speaking and on YouTube, Millennially Speaking. We'll be back next week.